Chapter Twenty Three of A Mind That Found Itself by Clifford Whittingham Beers. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. Read by Tom Daly. Chapter Twenty Three. I refused to be a martyr. Rebellion was my watchword. The only difference between the doctor's opinion of me and mine of him was that he could refuse utterance to his thoughts. Yes, there was another difference. Mine could be expressed only in words, his in grim acts. I repeatedly made demands for those privileges to which I knew I was entitled. When he saw fit to grant them, I gave him perfunctory thanks. When he refused, as he usually did, I at once poured upon his head the vials of my wrath. One day I would be on the friendliest terms with the doctor. The next I would upbraid him for some denial of my rights, or, as frequently happened, for not intervening in behalf of the rights of others. It was after one of these wrangles that I was placed in a cold cell in the bullpen at eleven o'clock one morning. Still without shoes, and with no more covering than underclothes, I was forced to stand, sit, or lie upon a bare floor as hard and cold as the pavement outside. Not until sundown was I provided even with a drugget, and this did little good, for already I had become thoroughly chilled. In consequence, I contracted a severe cold, which added greatly to my discomfort and might have led to serious results had I been of less sturdy fiber. This day was the 13th of December, and the 22nd of my exile in the violent ward. I remember it distinctly, for it was the 77th birthday of my father, to whom I wished to write a congratulatory letter. This had been my custom for years when absent from home on that anniversary, and well do I remember when, and under what conditions, I asked the doctor for permission. It was night. I was flat on my drugget bed. My cell was lighted only by the feeble rays of a lantern held by an attendant to the doctor on this his regular visit. At first I couched my request in polite language. The doctor merely refused to grant it. I then put forth my plea in a way calculated to arouse sympathy. He remained unmoved. I then pointed out that he was defying the law of the state which provided that a patient should have stationery, a statute, the spirit of which at least meant that he should be permitted to communicate with his conservator. It was now three weeks since I had been permitted to write or send a letter to anyone. Contrary to my custom, therefore, I made my final demand in the form of a concession, I promised that I would write only a conventional note of congratulation, making no mention whatever of my plight. It was a fair offer, but to accept it would have been an implied admission that there was something to conceal, and for this, if for no other reason, it was refused. Thus, day after day, I was repressed in a manner which probably would have driven many a sane man to violence yet the doctor would frequently exhort me to play the gentleman. Were good manners and sweet submission ever the product of such treatment? Deprived of my clothes, of sufficient food, of warmth, of all sane companionship, and of my liberty, 
I told those in authority that so long as they should continue to treat me as the vilest of criminals, I should do my best to complete the illusion. The burden of proving my sanity was placed upon me. I was told that so soon as I became polite and meek and lowly, I should find myself in possession of my clothes and of certain privileges. In every instance I must earn my reward before being entrusted with it. If the doctor, instead of demanding of me all the negative virtues in the catalogue of spineless saints, had given me my clothes on the condition that they would be taken from me again if I so much as removed a button, his course would doubtless have been productive of good results. Thus I might have had my clothes three weeks earlier than I did, and so been spared much suffering from the cold. I clamored daily for a lead pencil. This little luxury represents the margin of happiness for hundreds of the patients, just as a plug or package of tobacco represents the margin of happiness for thousands of others. But for seven weeks no doctor or attendant gave me one. To be sure, by reason of my somewhat exceptional persistence and ingenuity, I managed to be always in possession of some substitute for a pencil, surreptitiously obtained, a fact which no doubt had something to do with the doctor's indifference to my request. But my inability to secure a pencil in a legitimate way was a needless source of annoyance to me, and many of my verbal indiscretions were directly inspired by the doctor's continued refusal. It was an assistant physician, other than the one regularly in charge of my case, who at last relented and presented me with a good, whole lead pencil. By so doing, he placed himself high on my list of benefactors. For that little shaft-like implement, magnified by my lively appreciation, became as the very axis of the earth. End of chapter 23